0: Today is Thursday, April the 29th, 2021, In this podcast, I'm just going to talk, you know, um, I've introduced myself, my name is Victor Leroy Etheridge III, as I've always known my name to be, I just want to kind of share, you know, I might be random here and there, Throughout what I'm sharing But I just kind of want to um, Share a little bit about my life Maybe to help somebody out there Who might care Or might be going through something like this Or know somebody who has Just to give them a a little insight About me About myself So So you know, I do apologize that a lot of the things I talk about is very depressing. But I do have to say my whole life has been pretty much very depressing. I can't help that it's not something I've had any control over. Um, my first memory that I can remember... You know, was being at my grandparents' house in Port Saufer, Louisiana, where they were taking care of us. And then, I was in preschool, and I remember being very happy. Then I remember this man and this woman claiming to be my parents, which supposed to be my dad or my sperm donor named Victor Etheridge II, and Diana, with the maiden name of Holland or Etheridge, you know, coming to pick us up. There was this big argument. Supposedly, my mom or whoever had given them full custody. But there was some kind of, now they wanted us back. Anyways, somehow they got us back. So they pulled us out of school. She was supposed to be homeschooling me. While my sperm donor went to work. But now, I want to say... Okay, yeah, so it was after that. But... So I guess that's the first memory I can really remember of my sperm donor and my so-called mom, right? But after that, the first real memory I have of Victor Etheridge II was him pulling me, yanking me out of the bed. Well, first, I'm dead asleep. I remember opening my eyes. I don't know how old I was. I was very young. But I remember opening my eyes. Like I felt somebody hovering over me. And there was. And I could see a face. But I was dead asleep before this. But I could see a face. And I remember taking my little hand. And reaching out. And and, and touching the face. And sure enough it was a face. It was his face. And within a millisecond after that. He yanked me out of the bed and starts beating the fuck out of me for no reason at all. Then, tells me to get back in the bed and I better go my ass right back to sleep. So that's my first real memory. After that, you know, sometime, I remember, you know, cause he compli- after- the big argument with my grandparents or whatever, he completely stopped communicating with them, you know? That's just the kind of person he is, right? Until he needs them again, right? So he needed them to watch us again for whatever reason, right? So they're coming to pick us up to take us to their house for like a week or a weekend. I can't remember exactly how long. But, you know, he causes me to have stitches, Because he's coming in the room to beat my fucking ass again. And I fall and I hit my face on one of my toys. I have to go to the hospital. My grandparents are almost there to pick us up. They have to wait until we come back from the hospital to where I have my stitches, right? And I remember going to the hospital, him just drilling me what are you going to tell them doctors and nurses when they ask you what happened, whatever you do, you can't make me look bad, you cannot say I had anything to do with it, you're just going to tell them you were playing with your brother and you fell, right, and all this, right, and so, okay, daddy, right, whatever, only thing that I remember is that I was going to to go see my grandparents, and I just, whatever I had to do just to get away from him, right, and so, that's what I did, you know, I, I, God forgive me, but I lied for him, I was a little kid, right, and I just told him whatever he told me to tell him, there was no thank you for lying for him afterwards, there was no taking me to McDonald's and getting me a, a Happy Meal, you know, that's always been his main concern, you know, um, whenever I used to live in Lafayette, across the way here, um, DCF workers were always being called and not just by my grandparents by neighbors right because what he would do is he would kick us out the house all day and we were dared to even knock on the door right I mean I remember having to wipe my ass out in the woods hoping that I wasn't wiping my ass with poison ivy right the only reason we ate most of the time was because the neighbors would feed us right that we weren't even allowed to be really hanging out with, right? They would come, because there was this tree that we weren't allowed to move from, right? We were supposed to stay by the tree, and that was it, right? So he would always know before the DCF workers or whatever they're called here in Lafayette would show up. And what he would do is he would sit us in his car, and he would dare us to say, anything that would make him look bad, right, and he would recite over and over and over what we're supposed to say whenever they asked us questions, right, so it was like this, oh, you know, okay, little Victor, what you gonna say if they ask you, if your daddy's being mean to you, you know what I'm saying, and it was just, until they got there, right, and so we're scared to death, and then he's, I, and then, you know, the, the point of, uh, And Whatever that he made the most was that Okay, if you say anything that's going to make me look bad I'm going to kill you I'm not playing with y'all I will kill you if you say anything that makes me look bad So as bad as my brother and I wanted To tell them people what was going on Because all we ever wanted was freedom from his ass We couldn't But we were scared for our lives We were little and everything like that. And so, I remember his mother, you know, let's just say I didn't know this, but he was spying on us. Somehow, he was spying on us, even at my grandparents' house. He knew of the conversations we had. He would even repeat things that I was doing in the bathroom alone, taking my bath, when he wasn't even there, right? You know, when I was little, before all this happened, I do remember he had babysitters watching us and different things, and I remember walking outside of the bedroom that we were in and finding his tape recorders where he had the babysitter recording us, and I, I just remember seeing it, and I, it was on, it was recording, you know? And so I've never had any privacy my entire life. I've never had any privacy. Matter of fact, he's the kind of person that <clears throat> when him and my mom were together, um, he would have her go in the grocery store, usually late at night, when there wasn't nobody at the grocery store. And he would get out of his car, and he would be standing on his tippy toes. And then when she got back to the car, this opened a big argument. Why the f- Was she talking to the cashier because she had to check out her merchandise, right? And then he would slam his steering wheel. He would get so mad and so abusive, right? So, you know, his mom would always tell me that, you know, after his dad died or whatever, that she couldn't go anywhere. Everywhere she went, he was right there in the bushes if she would go to the store she would get out of her vehicle or whatever and see him in the bushes spying on her and then she said she would just act like she didn't see him all the way back to the house she could see him spying in the bushes at her house going inside of her house right she took and you know there was some stories that she would tell me quite often and it's not until recently that I understand why she told me these same stories, right? And one of the stories were how she didn't, how I guess after his dad passed away, he didn't get his way about something. So he went and he, uh, he dumped gasoline in her fireplace and tried to set her house on fire. He told me, She told me that everybody is scared of your dad. Even his football coaches and stuff at school. Everybody was scared of him. You just don't know your dad, right? And I'm like, how can so many people be scared of this one person, right? Let me tell you. This dude is freaking psychotic. Okay? Whenever he would come home, he was always abusive. Matter of fact, you know there's something wrong when your 8-year-old little kid is praying on their knees every day before he comes home. to God, please kill him in a car accident. Just please, God, do not let him come home. You know, it, it, it almost seems like I can remember me, my mother, and my little brother praying this prayer, right? together, on our knees, please God, don't let him come home, please kill him in a car accident, unfortunately he's still alive today, now, his, after his dad died, you know, he, his mom told me this story a lot too, that he demanded his inheritance from his dad, um, and so, he pulled a shotgun on her and told and told her, you better give me money, right? That he had uh, whatever she was going to save for him for a little bit later in life. But, the cops come and the cops did what they always do and they took his side, okay? Made them give him the money, so they gave him all his money. To this day, he still wants more money from them, right? So... Okay, so when we were in, we were still in Lafayette, right? Well, actually, okay, we went to Mississippi for a little while. We were staying in a hotel room. Right before we left Mississippi, he had a black prostitute that gave him herpes. As I'm sure many people are aware that this Robert Fisher here um, got herpes from a prostitute. Okay, so he picked up the prostitute. I remember this. This is before I even knew what sex was. It was that bad. I didn't even know what sex was. I remember a little girl on a school bus telling me or uh, that she would that she knew what sex was and that she would tell me, but she was too scared my dad would kill her if she did, so she wouldn't tell me. Now, how could a little girl on a school bus possibly know anything about my dad? You know? So something's strange, something's odd there, right? So anyway, we pick up the black prostitute, you know, and we went. I remember we went to the gas station here in Lafayette, not far from where I'm at now, and we. she wanted a bottle of wine. So she went in, she got her a bottle of wine, or liquor, I can't remember which one, I want to say bottle of wine, but she came out and she dropped it and it broke into pieces all over the place, right? So then she got in the car, we went and got her some crack, right, I remember, I'm guessing that's what it was, crack you know, I just remember seeing the the deal there, and then he had us slit sit in the living room while he went in the bedroom with her, he comes out, you know, sometime later, and we're walking outside back to the car, and he asked me, uh, little Victor, do you know what we did in there, right, I say no, I honestly didn't have any idea, he tells me how stupid I am, accuses me of lying to him, does what he always does, slap me upside the head hard as he could, tells me, you know, that I'm lying to him. That why do why am I playing stupid? Why am I playing dumb? Why do I do that, right? So then the next night I'm sleeping for school the next day. He comes and pulls me out of the bed. Wants to show me porn. Has me sit there, goes over every position of what they're doing, told me he doesn't want me to learn about sex and sex education, that, you know, he is not, he wasn't going to allow for that, that he wanted to be the first to show me, right? But not to tell my brother he was too young. Then I want to say it was like two weeks after that we were in Mississippi where he left us alone all day, right, and went to work. And then, he had to go to the hospital. And he brought me and my brother with him. That's when he found out he had herpes. He showed us his... His, uh... Thing about having herpes and all this. And I was a little kid. We're in the elevator. <laughs> I ask him, I say, Dad, can I have a girlfriend? He says, no. He says, I was never allowed to have a girlfriend. Okay. So then, some days later... You know, he's going to work every day, leaving the porn for us to watch on the top speaker, you know. And then comes home, and he has his laundry being done downstairs. The janitor was doing his laundry for him. There's a condom that's already been opened that comes back up in the clothes that he had the janitor doing. He says, is this one of your condoms? Now, how could it? possibly be one of our condoms when the last person that touched those clothes was him to the janitor but he's not that smart right so he says we're lying go get on our knees the next thing i know the remote control bust into millions of pieces right next to my head then he 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 slams the door he's so mad then he comes back sometime later talking about okay y'all can get up now he says, uh, I, I talked to him and they and said the janitor's been having sex with prostitutes in the laundry room and it was probably one of his. I don't remember there being an apology. There probably wasn't. Okay. Then I remember one night, you know, he left us there alone again and he calls and he says, little Victor, the police, I don't know how he always knows this shit, but he said the police are about to show up there. They're looking for me. Whatever you do, don't answer the door for him. Well, this dude just fucking did that shit. And I was happy to answer the door for the police officer. To this day, he still brings it up that that's why he's destroyed my whole life. Was because of that reason. Another reason is he's saying that whenever I was really young and he went to come get me from my grandparents, that I pulled a water gun on my grandmother. I don't even know what he's talking about, but that's what he says. Okay? These are the, these are the reasons that he has. Okay. So we're so then we meet Joey and Dana. Supposedly our stepbrother and our stepsister, which I'm finding out now the Joey Nicholson is actually the laughing serial killer Joey Miller. Who's using a a fraud name currently of Joseph Donald Fusiliar. Okay, so I remember my sperm donor here had us, um, you know, standing out by the tree here. We weren't allowed to even knock on the door, and I remember. something about we were watching some kind of figure skating and he had sent us out one day and and i thought i was a figure skater i was like playing in the tree that he told us we couldn't leave and somehow i fell and i broke my arm in two places i remember my brother starts laughing his ass off right by the way my brother that was severely abused by him today is just like him today and very a part of all the bullshit going on with stealing these people's deeds and all this around. He's currently uh, living at 407, Beaupre lafayette Louisiana, 70508. His name is Joshua Etheridge. Um, which I found other pictures of him that he's using, you know, and different names that he's using with all this con artist bullshit. Because my family, all in all, they want to say there's some type of mafia, but... I'm learning now that they're the KKK and that they're a bunch of con artists. So right after I mean right after I told him, you know, showed him my arm and it looked like it was bent around a telephone pole it was so bad. He starts slamming shit in the house. He's so freaking mad, right? But he takes me to the hospital. After my arm gets healed and everything. He um not long afterwards Is whenever Joey Nicholson was stealing all these packs of cigarettes from this woman. And pretty much I got beat over it. Okay. You know it's a long story but make a long story short. I'm sitting there crying to my dad. I didn't do it. I didn't do it dad. And you know most parents when their kids crying like that in tears they didn't do it. Even after getting beat. He kept to his promise, if I cried, he was going to beat me harder, right? He's the kind of faggot that, okay, I'm not going to stop beating you until you tell me what you want, what I want to hear. And those are his words exactly, right? Then, it could be a week later, whenever you finally tell him what he wants to hear, he's going to beat you even harder, then... He's going to walk outside and tell everybody I told y'all so I told you so. I knew what I was talking about. So then after that um he decides that well, we're not going to talk to our grandparents anymore. Okay? And um well, this is what happened. He had been spying on me. I I never thought that he would ever come to one of my, ba- I was playing baseball at the time. And I never knew, I never thought that he would even come to one of my baseball practices or games. But it so it, it turned out that he was always there spying on me and I just didn't know it. Okay, so for the whole year straight, I just wanted to pitch. I wanted to be a pitcher. I wanted to get taken out of outfield and I wanted to be a pitcher. So I would practice every day with my pawpaw. Right Leon Monte Right And so He knew That the coach Was gonna surprise me On our last game And let me pitch Well before His jealous ass Oh he's jealous On my first birthday pictures He's in the corner With his arms crossed With a pouty Just like this Donald Trump With his lip Poked out Just mean mugging me Jealous Jealous Right? So, you know, he does what he always does. You know, if I ever find out the day before, they surprise me. You know, already trying to ruin it for me. If I ever find out your pitching, little Victor, I'm going to kill you, he tells me. I'm going to kill you. Okay. So, I start pitching, right? I, I didn't let that affect me. So, I'm doing so good. I'm striking all these people out. Doing so good. Then he shows his face right then after he shows his face i don't run no i don't run like he does after he did what he did in arizona no i kept pitching but i start sucking right so bad that the coach had to take me out but i did so good before then the coach was gonna let me pitch in the next league up they gave me the game ball everybody on my team and the opposite team shook my hand told me they didn't know i had it in me and how awesome i did right but not him he waited till he got me alone back home to tell me how bad he thought I sucked. And and don't worry about pitching next year, that we were going to Alabama. So he didn't have to go so far to try to get my stepmom back every time she would leave, right? And so that's what we did. And and he and destroyed my whole pitching thing, right? There was no more I could hang that shit up, right? And so, he promises me. Now, one thing I promise you, little Victor, he tells me. That's what he called me, right? Is I'm never going to put my hands on you again. Okay? When we get to Alabama. One second here. So, the first week there, he broke that promise. So bad that he left belt marks all over the walls of my bedroom that I wasn't allowed to sleep in because he only set our beds up to put paperwork on, right? We had to sleep on the floor, in the living room, or on the couch, right? And so, I remember God gave me the strength to put up my little arm, the belt, this thick-ass belt, spun around my arm and I yanked it and broke it in half. I remember his eyes got so big he couldn't understand it he started shaking and he left the room and my feelings were so hard hurt that i remember an hour or two just crying my little eyes out right and, and then he and then he does what he always does well i'm sorry victor you made me do it victor right you you wouldn't listen to me victor i'm sorry victor a very controlling person right very controlling okay He's the kind of person that when he comes home, it's, if you breathe the wrong way, I'm going to knock the teeth down your throat. When I say jump, you say how high. If I asked you, if I needed your opinion, I would have asked you for your opinion. You're not allowed to have an opinion. Go to your fucking room. With nothing. With nothing in there, right? There'd be nothing, he wouldn't allow, the only reason that he would buy us presents at Christmas time was just to put on a show for the family. When we got home, all the presents the family gave us and that he bought us were uh, put away in storage. We weren't allowed to touch them. So I went to my teacher, right, after he beat me with a stripped Okay, he would have me staying up all night with him on the school nights, cause you know this Donald Trump can't spell, right? And so, he'd have me spell all these BS words for him, page after page of lies, right? To get my uh, to get my stepmom back, you know. And then, never was a thank you afterwards. It was always oh, he was gonna make sure that I felt that he did in the moment when I was older, right, which he couldn't have been feeling that bad, there was no tears ever shed, right, so one, one day, he left, she left him, and he decided he was going to beat me with a stripped extension cord, so he had my brother go out, you know, to the shed, and he stripped all three wires down of the strip, uh, of the the extension cord, and he beat me from head to toes, told me if anybody saw my marks at school, that he was going to kill me. Well, I went to my teacher about a week or two later. The marks were starting to fade off. But there was enough marks, right? You know, and then they took pictures of the belt marks all over my walls and everything. And so I went into foster care. He was told to stay away. But what he did was he went and dressed up like a foster parent and as a social worker called Michael Hastings from Alabama, the original social worker that told him that we were old enough to that we didn't have to see him if we didn't want to, had her fired and set her up. And as he played as two different parts as my social worker, Michael Hastings, and as Jeff Schofield from Daphne, Alabama, um at the same time, you know, I was very unaware and it's not until recently that I found out that they're con artists and then he goes around wearing a silicone face and just changes his name, right? And that's why he does all these evil things and feels like that he can be, he's unstoppable. Okay, after I brought it to his attention, after he admitted to me that he was my sperm donor or whatever here as Michael Del Foote at 121 uh, um, Cane Ridge Circle, Lafayette, Louisiana, and I was trying to explain to him how it made me feel that he beat me with a shift extension cord, the very next day... I went to go into the one of the. I was staying out in the garage at the time. There was no place for us for me to stay, so I was up all night, or you know, sleeping out in the garage. And so I went to the drawer that he knew I went into every day, and there he had a replica, a very small version replica of the extension card that he had beat me with to let me know that he just really didn't care, right. And and also to uh to re open up those scars that already healed because for one I got away from his control and he thinks that in in his mind I'm winning because I got away from him and he can't let me win right because to him it's all a game you know and then now I'm finding out that he's also the same guy who killed his two daughters that Victor guy he's also Victor Manuel He's also Robert William Fisher Jr. He's also using the name of Michael Dale Foote here. Um, I, I'm really sick right now. He's poisoning me severely bad today. And so there's so much that I'm leaving out and so much I need to go back and elaborate on. But, but I think this is a good start. So I appreciate anybody who might be listening or who might care. Alright, thank you.